fucking weird wasn't it one day people just started listening to uh podcasts and groups what do they call that shit <laughs> it's like a not, not a blind disco what do they call it a silent disco weird 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 <laughs> you know like uh excuse me i'm just curious but um like they just had this fucking contest i don't know like six months ago or something maybe a little longer they they what did they do they had a, a give i don't know let's call it a giveaway slash scholarship slash reward slash something where if you're like a college-aged kid preferably like a, a non-community non-two-year school like it has to be a four-year school i guess Got to do something with some sort of tax money horseshit, but <clears throat> but either way, the um the whole point of the uh thing was their reward was hey man if you like donate your time to like a cause or something and can prove it I guess <laughs> send it in to us and uh, what we'll do is <laughs> we'll send like what's his fucking name oh little wayne to your school for a fucking concert man okay now the second to a hundred prizes your own silent disco (laughs) what the fuck is this silent nightclub what is this silent disco i don't get it basically everybody Everybody kind of like, I I would assume it's something like this. You have a music player in your area. 
it's playing a set list of bangers <laughs> and it's all fucking silent. Because <laughs> you all got headphones on and you're all hooked up by Bluetooth, but you're all fucking getting down in silence in this room together. <laughs> That's like, that, that's such a creepy idea. Oh God, that's like this. That sounds like some shit out of a movie, like like a bad seventies or fifties sci-fi movie. Or it'd actually be a pretty cool one, actually, where it's just everybody sitting and standing in a room dancing in silence together. That's fucked up. Anyway, um, I thought I'd open this up today with doing the reading some news off my favorite fucking site just so we can see where the hell the world's going on and god my voice i'm sorry let's see uh we got uh it's off uh naked capitalism like the best rundown they got this links page that is the shit i read it every day on the um and then like on the weekdays at noon they have like or at like 11 by 11 they'll have like the afternoon edition basically which is awesome, and it's just, like, th- things that have happened since they wrote these first ones, and then, like, some commentary on some of the things that had happened, some business news, some extra shit, and then, bam, we're out. It's so cool. Anyway, and they're just links, so it's not like, you know, we find something really cool. Oh, dude. Yeah, but anyway, um, Utah passes first-ever kid free-range kids bill. Let's see this. Uh, we got this blind cave dwelling fish can climb walls. <laughs> Philip Kerr, author of the Bernie Gunther novels, dies age sixty-two. So let's see. And I guess uh, his last two books is going to be Greeks Bearing Gifts, published next month, and Metropolis next year. This fucking author died with two in the can, bro. Holy shit. Let's see. Um. Growing questions about CNN's airport monopoly. Oh, as network veers left. Oh, by the way, this is this is a Fox link. <laughs> That's what's really cool about this God, about this site is that um, it just tries to link you to either, like important shit or um, and it or it, it meaning it's important either by the news itself or by seeing the people who are reporting the news, which is also important. So, like, when you see something stupid, like, growing questions about CNN's airport monopoly as network fears left, that's brought to you by Fox. But it's like, let's see, it says, ban TV babble in airports and disconnect the machines. One of the many annoying things about U.S. airports is the constant sound barrage. Doesn't have to be that way. That's true, because I remember back in the day when I used to fucking fly, like out of Kalamazoo and shit. First off, you could just walk to the gate. <laughs> like, there's no metal. Like, there might have been a metal detector or some shit. Yeah, but that was about it. But like, you'd walk through it, like real quick. <laughs> even and I swear there wasn't even a metal detector. Like there might have been like like I said, ah, metal detector right before you hopped on the plane. But I don't even. I honestly don't think there was. And um, because like you'd see your family all the way out into the airport. I remember flying out of Detroit, all that shit, man. Like 
no problem. You, the whole fam, bam, you'd all walk up to the gate, say goodbye together at the gate. There was none of this whole horse shit standing in line. It's, it's so fucking different. It's so weird to, like, try to describe to people, <clears throat> like, a world before 9-11 who weren't either, A, old enough to experience it, which is a thought I had when that happened. Like... I was well old enough. <laughs> I was an adult when that shit happened. And, um, like, not just an adult, like a drinking-aged adult. <laughs> By the time that shit happened. And I remember thinking, like, especially as the like the months and shit rolled through and going, like, oh, my God. Like, it's, (laughs) I said exactly what I just said. It's going to be fucking hard to describe to people how in the fuck, how different their world is. Because, like, I thought about it in my context. It's like, well, it'd be, it's, I can, I can, like, imagine and sort of, um, oh, what's the word? I get, like. Yeah, just, like, sort of imagine and sort of place myself back into, like, what my mother and stuff had to go through, like, during, say, the civil rights years. But I can't really get it. And I certainly won't understand, like, the granular details of really what the fuck life was like. You know, like, I can see photographs. That's fine. You know, I get it. Like, I I kind of feel like I get it on, like, like, especially that era, like, a closer instant because I've talked to the people who were adults during that fucking time, too. You know, like, Jesus, what, what, like, my mother was born in 42, and the fucking Voting Rights Act is passed in 68. That makes her a 20, what, 26-year-old adult? That's an adult, motherfucker. So, right, like, that. so, like, this person's had all these years of experience, like, in, like, living in a world with full-on Jim Crow and all that shit, like, born in the fucking early 40s. So, anyway... So like I was, th- I just I I have that that thought occurs to me, you know, you know, fairly often I guess. Like maybe not like as obviously in the forefront of my mind, but I think it's just burrowed its way like into my subconscious that that thought tries like sort of leans into the way I describe certain things because it's it's sort of hard to like you know it's sort of like you want to be kind of granular on odd like on details. But not to, like, get so over-involved in the thing that, like, it loses what its meaning is or whatever. Whatever. But, like, airports, it it almost would sound like like we were in the fucking 50s. But that was, like, the year 2000. It's not that long ago. It's like trying to describe to people what life was like when we there wasn't a permanent war. Like, I remember, like... My whole life, I grew up, like, post-Vietnam, <laughs> right? We weren't getting into shit. We might have been the world's dumbass police, which was awful, but we weren't getting into shit, <laughs> right? Because, like, the Russians were still there, and they were like, how about we just not just keep jumping off into shit? But after fucking like what was it 92 89 some shit when that motherfucking wall came down i remember seeing that shit on mtv i remember all that shit and like um like 
I remember shit changed then. I remember watching television change. Like, I remember when there were, like, you know, like, oh, God, from Spuds McKenzie and all kinds of shit. And, but there were no drug ads were never, like, they were, like, Motrin ads and aspirin ads and shit, right? Metamucil ads. But there were never, like, dick pills, right? That shit, like, popped up in the 90s, like, some... Like, when all that real, no bullshit, hardcore consolidation started running through. And boy, oh boy, it's been a funky time. But, <clears throat> but especially one of the things that were that reminded me, like, of the airports was how fucking quiet. Like, there's a lot of people, but it wasn't just like, just like this, like, she's a barrage of constant sound, you know, just constantly going on. Anyway, yeah, like I said, uh, it doesn't have to be that way. I find it much more pleasant to pass through airports that have adopted a quiet policy, e.g. Heathrow, Asian airports. Flying is stressful enough without the cable cacophony. What I was thinking, uh, when I, what the hell, when I flew back from Tennessee, yeah, last year, we were, um, we were in some fucking airport. It must have been that airport or something. But I found they had this, like, the, a smoking section, this, like, oasis. And it was so fucking nice to sit back in there. <clears throat> there was two of them. There was one, like, inside, and then there was, like, this outside. Oh, that's what it was. It wasn't a smoking section, but, like, sneak smokers like myself would go out there and, like, wait till everybody was gone and just sit out in the sun and smoke. It was really fucking nice. Anyway. <laughs> Smartphones and human suffering, the in, the intended consequences of progress. Oof. This is fucked up. Um, in Phoenix, or Tucson, I'm sorry, uh, last Sunday, poor woman got smashed by an auto-driving car. So, then they always have, like, nice little headlines, like, Uber's killer car. <laughs> Self-driving cars and a hostile takeover of our streets. That's a thing that's always been on my ass right there. Look at this. This is from the American Conservative. Yeah, it's time to think about ethics and auto autonomous vehicle is now. Yeah, no shit. It's not just ethics in it. Well, certainly ethics in it, but like, <clears throat> I've just, the brazen way, and this isn't exactly just like with, in fact, this has nothing to do with autonomous vehicles. Well, it sort of does, like, oddly, because of Uber being in this city, like, in their this their being their car, but the way that they rolled into business, just like holding their money in their <laughs> in place of their dicks in front of like these fucking like broke ass states and governors' faces and telling them to fucking eat their money is just in the way that they just ate that money and continue to is is like it's. It's, I'm just, I've gotten too old for that shit to be shocking anymore. It's just sad. <laughs> you know? It's like another one of the endless line of disappointing shit that people do. <laughs> you know? Just a fuck, fuck everybody. Let me get mine type shit. Maybe think of, uh, what was that? Um, damn, gives a fuck. How self-driving car policy will determine life, death, and everything in between. Yeah, that's fucking creepy. Like, 
I don't know. It, it's a neat, once again, it's a neat idea, but it's a really long way off. <laughs> to me, these kill these car things right now are like the virtual reality of like the fucking early mid nineties, you know, right? Well, it took about twenty five years to finally get this shit together, sort of, and it's still kind of horse shit. But like the idea that, like, we don't. First off, we don't even have the fucking roads for it. I I, I could see this being done in England way, 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 way before. Or no, in fact. Fuck that. Fuck England, right? Where's those fucking Audi, Saudi Audis? Hook them up, right? They would they would create a whole goddamn city just for this, right? <laughs> you know? I'm really, I'm actually honestly surprised that hasn't just happened. And like, just, well, fuck it. Just use, you know, and just have those fucking African farmers and fucking sad wage slaves. Not even wage slaves, just slave slaves. Over there, you know, just like cattle just getting knocked into the streets. They should have fucking like sandbags getting dropped off of buildings into roads. They should have bikes and all kinds of shit just getting chucked at them and stuff like all the time. It should be like a war zone out there to get through the street to see if the, how good the fucking car is. Then bring that shit over here. Don't just bring this shit because you got cash and it feels like, like the weirdest. Po- well, Uber certainly feels like the... Ugh, the grossest Ponzi scheme ever. Like, eh, whatever. <clears throat> so, yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah, why African farmers should balance pesticides with other control methods well, for a lot of reasons. You know, first off, it should be like agro, e- <laughs> agro, you grow or whatever, right? Where, like, you plant sustainably and in, like, a traditional way, but it's also, oh, agro-eco, where, but it's also like reinforcing and strengthening the environment around it without the use of pesticides and stuff. Because weirdly, we actually have the goddamn scientific knowledge and stuff to know how to do that right. And on like smaller, local or fucking easy to manage. But that, see, that would actually give like the agency to like people instead of corporations. And that's really our biggest issue, <laughs> you know. Because, like, that's like that's how the death of the world is really, you know. They should have to worry to balance pesticides, really, you know. It shouldn't really have to be a fucking thing because they have these huge traps of fucking land that are, it's just, it's all vulnerable. It's just so vulnerable. Anyway, yeah, see, how's, oh, God, how Syngenta won the war over weed killers. Oof, i look at that in a minute. Catastrophe is France's bird population collapses due to pesticides yeah that's been going on for a little while now the guns oh yeah yesterday they had the um the march for our lives the the children's crusade yeah look at this the limitations of the children's crusade i gotta read this one let's see um Um, out of the kill me now section BT boots journalist from Michelle Obama conference <laughs> from the New York post. Please help me avoid straying into any sacred space of sisterhood and fellowship. Exactly. Ah! The, I heard one of the best quotes the other day, and I'm going to try to work it into a stand-up routine. I'm going to actually try to get back on stage. Uh, try to, I'm actually going to get back on stage, but um, hopefully Monday, do it tomorrow. Right. But I've decided to, hey, you know what, instead of just just fucking around, why don't you write some shit down first 
and you know and get up there and actually try to work on something so i did some writing like this week and we'll see how it works anyway but um one of the best things i heard was on the uh the projection booth podcast this latest one actually about this um conservative fuck one of those goddamn dumb jerry zucker which is automatically tells you it's gonna be conservative that comedy he did like an american spring or some horse shit or no it's uh an american carol that oh it's just horse shit but it's right wing funny which means it's not funny and um <clears throat> one of the old school co-hosts brought up a really great line a couple times like it's almost impossible to be reverent and irreverent at the same time. Those two things just don't don't overlap because your brain like wants you to go, well, you know, you can't like pray to shit or be a zealot or be devoted or scared of or reverent to something and then be irreverent about it. Those two things just don't match. Like, our brains haven't evolved fast enough for that shit to, like, to to make it sense. It's like it scrambles the mind, you know? <laughs> right? That's why when you see the things that they're irreverent about, they're always, like, hateful, scary, fucked up shit. That's why they'll have, like, Jigaboo page or, you know, whatever, kill a hike and shit. Because they, they don't give a fuck about them. So <laughs> you can be irreverent. But that shit ain't funny. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, because it's always the their targets always seem to be th- down. <laughs> right? You, and like, you can kick down, but it better be funny. But you have to like, that's why it takes a very skilled fucking comedian to be a right wing comedian and be funny. Like, legit funny. Not just like, hey, this guy just says, like, you know, dirty shit. I can hear dirty shit. Anybody. I could go to any street in any town anywhere and hear some fucking dirty shit. That's nothing special. Right? But to be irreverent or funny with it, that's that's the sticky wicket. So I just thought that's an interesting idea. And... um. I hadn't put it, heard it put so succinctly or, you know, th- that's it. That's that's why it's not funny. That's why it, and it won't be funny. And like, well, I mean, it could. Like I said, I'll always leave the door open to things. That's that's one of the things I, I never liked when people um, people do sometimes. Well, where they'll um, they'll take once again. I, I've never been a big, 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 never been a big, never been a big fan of like just dogma. You know, just just for dogma's sake. It's so fucking creepy. Like, I hate the idea of um, I'm doing all this shit with one hand. Like, I like I said, I I don't like the idea of walls or closing yourself in, or the idea of just you know, unless you made up your fucking mind, right? That's fair, right? <laughs> That's why it's so hard to change people's minds, you know. But at the, but at the same time, there you go. Sorry, I had to do some shit. I'm walking around with the microphone. But 
um yeah i'm always open to like hear new ideas and stuff that's kind of the joy of life i've always loved learning i think that's neat it's always good to have a different perspective and stuff and open yourself up to different possibilities and everything you know maybe your solution because like you know shit i don't know every fucking thing i don't know shit that's the one thing i do know is i don't know shit that's it that's a guarantee <laughs> but everything else is that's open to interpretation and shit god i forgot how loud those goddamn little kids engines things for those little i'm surprised they still make those, those like i think i'm not saying i was in the fucking first generation with those but i, I remember when like the malibu barbie kid car thing came out <laughs> and the engine on that thing was like and you go like half a mile an hour and it just makes all this fucking noise just this big hard plastic <laughs> it has such a fucking particular sound all right anyway it just it brought me right back to fucking dewajiak we used to have one of those little cars people you plug it in for like eight hours and shit and you get like i don't know 40 minutes of fun out of it the worst uh, let's get back to the jarts <laughs> try not to murder each other all right brexit who are the patriots now oh yeah but you know what in the same way it's not just right wing that shit goes for left wing too like, if you're too reverent on shit, you'll stop being funny. That's one of my things I can't stand when, like, fucking lefties and shit get all up in their fuck. Anybody gets all into your cause too much, you lose perspective of what's funny or unfunny or what changes need to be made in it and all kinds of shit. So, like, there was a radio station I used to volunteer for, and those motherfuckers just never had a sense of humor about anything of like in their own space left-wing people so i can absolutely see sometimes when i like when you see people from the right go those fucking assholes a don't have a sense of humor which is fucked up because you're not telling a funny joke so right <laughs> right so like, anyway but two i absolutely agree them sons of bitches don't have any sense of humor because like like on nothing or much like flexibility sometimes it's really i hate rigidity in life it's the dumbest shit in the world anyway all right who are the patriots now from the brexit people oh yeah brexit the worst of all possible worlds fuck yeah i i don't even get that shit man like no, I do. It's because people don't read. That's really what it comes down to. At the end of the day, people don't read, or if they do read, they only read the shit they want to hear, generally. And that shit sucks. It's part of this bigger thing I was thinking about the other day, where, like, I really can't stand, like, well, first off, I thought, you know, there's been, like, as, as far as I've been able to read, there's been like at least what you would call a generational divide since like the day of Caesar, at least. Right? Because the people of Caesar's generation were sort of like the young kind of hip set of the Roman society. 
and they kind of scared the adults above them and shit, and they would wear their hair long and do like like different shit than their than their parents did. <clears throat> and it sounds so normal for us today, but I'm sure like in 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 our Western society, let's say, that's how it is. And um and I was thinking about, well, you know, all that constant shit. Well, back in my day, and I've been doing that this whole fucking podcast, but what I don't do, well, first off, don't, I hate when comedians do this shit. Like, um, let's say, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that airport thing. Okay. Like, um, you know, uh, man, you used to be able to walk right up to the front of airports back in the day. Not like today where I get my ass patted down so hard, you know, I got to think I'm getting butt fucked or whatever the fuck, right? Okay. Guy, guy, I know what today is like. <laughs> I hate when people tell me what today is like. Why are you telling me what today's like? I can look outside and see what today is like. You can cut that shit from the joke. Why don't you make the funny part <laughs> the old shit? Don't tell me, like, I know the new shit and, oh, you know, it's shitty. Yeah, I know it's shitty. I'm here. <laughs> I was just like, what What are you talking about? Are they calling them pussies or something? Like, this one dude, and I love him to death, but it, <laughs> sometimes I think, and he's like from like Generation X, where like basically all of my contemporary friends at the time. Because weirdly, if I looked, if I'm reading it right, I'm oddly like, like late term Gen X or something. I, I don't know what the fuck. But anyway, <laughs> but because uh, I believe the, the quote unquote millennial year started in 1982. So I missed that window. So, but whatever. But when I was thinking, what had me thinking was like. Oh, fuck. Okay. There's this guy. And like like I said, he's like a Gen Xer. <laughs> and he's fucking telling millennials that, that, that they ain't shit. And you could easily, easily ask these motherfucking Generation Xers, you know, hey, fellas, I know reality bit. <laughs> right? I know fucking Romy and Michelle went to the high school reunion. You know what I'm saying? I know your Reservoir Dogs and your fucking Soundgarden and your fucking Alice in Chains and your Jane's Addictions and your Def Jams and your whatever the fuck. Okay? Right? Don't believe the hype. Right? Okay? That's about as far as y'all got, huh? Right, <laughs> and and you got to complain about your parents' generation, who at least had the fucking balls to have like the weather underground, you know, <laughs> right? Bombing universities and shit, right? You know, I ain't heard shit from the goddamn Generation X. They're like this silent fucking, <sighs> like almost like the name suggests, it feels like a government contract or something. Anyway. China, China's one man show. Oh, let me. Okay, so I yeah. Anyway, so it just means I, I really can't stand like intergenerational fucking fighting because it doesn't make any sense. It's like it doesn't. Like, well, first off, what do you gain out of it? 
right? Hey, I got to call those guys a motherfucker. So what? <laughs> because I remember, I'll, I'll never forget, <laughs> looking at my class of fucking students, my graduating class, and being like, we're fucked. Because none of these people read shit. All these people just listen to the radio and fucking just, they're just typical fucking Midwesterners. Whatever, you know, they like to party and fucking just like, you know, some of them go to school, but they, none of them are smart. None of these people are like, none of them read. None of them, like, like I said, everybody's just top 40 shit. Everything they have is all surface, which is a horrifying possible, you know, possibility going into your world. Which, because that means you just accept anything that, like, anybody basically tells you. That's how you end up with the shit like Facebook, like, selling all of your information and shit. Well, they told me for, like, I, I'm not, I, like, I've always been, I guess, at least cynical or skeptical about things. But, like, I hate when people lead with either fucking cynicism or really, I just call it like assholeism, right? Because there's no real, like, I don't know. First off, it's just stupid. You're like, you might as well just put a fucking bullet in your head because you don't. What you're not? If you're you're not contributing to shit, but to just throw shit. And, you know, if that's what gets you off, then you're just, like, uh, mentally unstable. Like, what do you get out of this? That's, oh, that's humor. Right? No. <laughs> right? It's, like, the closest to, like, like maybe, like, a, it, it's in the same world to me as, like, prank show humor. Like, okay. Fuck you, guy. <laughs> All right, and next, right? <laughs> it speaks of like a real sad cynicism about your world. Just like, well, it's all shit, so fuck it anyway. It's the world's actually a really beautiful place. <laughs> it's really fucking large. You know, of course, it's just a small blue dot. But anyway, <laughs> all right. I'll get on with it. No, I don't want to. I don't even want to talk. Like I've thought about that thought so much. I don't even want to fucking hear it come out of my mouth. It's just. It feels like people just drive me crazy. You know. It's like the number one thing is like I said. People just don't read. Or like I said, and if they do, they just sit in their own same fucking juice. <laughs> yeah. So I think China's fucking. I don't know what you call them. Like he's either I think he's gonna be in there for a long ass time now. <laughs> that was the plan going in, but you know he's he's like one of those like Russian democracies. <laughs> you know? Okay, yeah, all right, yeah, woo. You know, it was so funny. I'll never forget when Putin. Who did he put in? Was it the not Yeltsin? Was it Boris Johnson? Not Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson's fucking England. Which is just as bad. But, all right. I just remember fucking <laughs> Putin was, like, in for two terms. Then, like, stepped out. Like, it must have been in some deal that they had made when, uh, 
like the fall communism, quote unquote, slash like the return to the uh, dawn of democracy in fucking, you know, Western Europe or Eastern Europe or whatever the fuck. And, uh, you know, when they just asset stripped the fucking country and the oligarchs became like the even bigger, like, um, <laughs> how they, how like, uh, like now we're in democracy, it's like in name only horseshit. Ugh, yeah, anyway, but the guy, he was so like somewhere in there must have been a thing like in in Moscow. Well, like we're doing democracy, so you can only have two terms, and then you know step down. You can run again, but you gotta leave. So like he ran his two fucking terms. He had like one of his own fucking stooges just roll in, be president for four fucking years while he went off and took pictures with tigers and all kinds of horse shit. And then like came back, it like let his country sort of sink into shit, sort of worse. And and then he comes back and he's like, oh, put it, put it. and then like he's just been there ever since, man. That that's you know it's like some ex fucking KGB just horrifying shithead. Ugh. Anyway. Oh yeah, the other day, once again, that's a nice thing and lucky thing. Knock on stars that like living in America is cool because you say that shit in Russia or some shit, it's your ass. <laughs> They're not fucking around. Like, what was that in Bangladesh or some shit like a few days ago? There was like a secularist that was like, hey guys, we shouldn't have to just be like these Buddhists or whatever the fuck. And some guy came up behind him and just stabbed him in the head. That's <laughs> like, fuck off. Oh, God. Anyway, horrifying. Horrifying. India, how does India plan on solving its crippling contract employment and for I mean contract enforcement problem? Hmm. Artificial artificial intelligence could take over jobs, but India needs to embrace technology. <laughs> the deck. The economists emphasize the need to improve the education system and skill development, and also battle for universal basic income. <sighs> Rajan is the former head of Indian's, uh, India's central bank, forced out by Modi. As the industry has changed, India's public banks lost the most and won the least. Oh, okay. That's part three of a three-part series. Same. 2016 post-mortem. They're still going over this. Hillary fundraiser causes a stink with the DNC. What the hell is she raising money for? $10,000 minimum donation to be a charter member in the Onward Together Leadership Council. Council, I guess grifters got a grift. The ghost of Hillary. God, they're so fucking shit. I remember when they got in the office. <laughs> like, it's so funny. Like, technically, I was born under Carter. <laughs> technically. Reagan has been elected, though, by that point. Let's see. Okay. No, I don't think I'm right. I think I'm wrong on that. I think I was just born under Reagan. I don't give a fuck. Why don't you figure that out on your own time, asshole? Yeah, good idea. All right. 
Class warfare. Trump signs bill that kills Obama-era rule targeting wage theft, unsafe working conditions, drain that swamp. <laughs> Trump administration retreats into tip-sharing plan in compromise. Man out of time. Oh, it's a P. Peterson obit by Doug Henwood. By the way, an amazing writer. And um, what is this? Beyond the uh, no, uh, behind the news. Really great fucking show. That was one of the cool things about volunteering at that one station. Anyway, uh, the Pinkertons still never sleep. Houston specta- speculators make a fast buck from storms and misery. Yeah, I bet. Eroding protections under the law. Trade tantrum. Is there a political method in, tra- in Trump's trade madness? I doubt it. Beijing has more weapons to use against uh, U.S. in a trade war, Chinese analysts say. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, God. Sarakistan, Gaddafi's ghost haunts Walking Dead King Sarko. Yeah, I bet. As we look back on the horror of Iraq 15 years later, Jesus. I wonder, would this have happened if Trump was president? <laughs> Robert Fisk, it's a solid question. He didn't have a fucking personal stake in the deal. My daddy, all that bullshit. He probably couldn't have got the goddamn War Department together. All right. <clears throat> ISIS-inspired terror attacks in Europe give the impression it's still a global force. It's not. Yeah, no shit. Uh, even, God. I love that we start that shit. And then it's like now it's just still just going off over fucking Europe. That's like on us. <laughs> Technically, that's kind of our fault. <laughs> that's fucked up. Somebody, you know what I mean? Like, that's a weird sort of echo to have happen off of something you've done, you know? Or, you know, just a weird after effect. (laughs) God, somebody in Paris gets hurt because of some shit that we did to somebody down in fucking Afghanistan. Ugh, what assholes. From a fucking privately funded military to fight the Ruskies. Oh, my God. And it's just all about money, too. That's the worst part about it. It's just all about fucking money. It's not, you know what I mean? I, it would, I could almost live with, it, live with it if it was actually for the stated fucking causes. You know? If it was about, like, all right, no, we're actually going to do this. But then, like, if you ever travel overseas and you come back in, you're like, oh, this place is shit. <laughs> like, you know their roads are better their fucking people are more sophisticated they read and shit you come back here and it's like ugh, land of the fucking zombos it's just like it's just and it, here's the thing too i always get on on like the american folks it's like i love us like a lot of us i like people i just don't like fucking like people as a whole <laughs> I really do. Like, I like individuals. I just don't like people. <laughs> Steve Jobs tried to warn Mark Zuckerberg about privacy in 2010. For Steve Jobs to be concerned, you know it's fucking bad. Silicon Valley is begging for Wall Street-style regulation. This is so much bigger than Facebook. Yeah, no shit. No shit. <laughs> All these people have your fucking information if you're dumb enough to give them to them. After warning Zuckerberg, India softens, redirects ire to Cambridge Analytica. <laughs> Fuck off. 
Bannon breaks silence on. Oh, finally, huh? Oh, cool. It's probably the Columbia Journalism Review, too. Bannon breaks silence on Facebook and Breitbart at a Financial uh, Times event, FT event. Ooh, Trump transition. <laughs> He's still transitioning. It's been over a fucking year. <laughs> Donald Trump in the art of breaking a deal. A quick reminder that the line item veto has already been ruled unconstitutional. Cuts to small-time agency, uh, part of larger Trump hit on federal unions, agencies, and services. Huh. <laughs> Roseanne Barr warns Kimmel, you want Pence for president? Then zip that fucking lip. <laughs> she does have a point. From scandals to secrecy, the curious similarities between, oh yeah, Trump's and Reagan's EPA, for sure. Um, Trump is bringing, uh, bringing in loyalists and getting rid of critics. Welcome to the Dick Cheney administration. You know, shit. Uh, why conservatives are worried about John Bolton? A lot of reasons. Land of the lawless. Let's see how power in America has turned the rule of law into a mere myth. Yeah, for sure. Lampum's quarterly. It's by Ralph Nader. Cool. I'd read it. And it says it's important. Oh. Anyway, so the news run down. See what's going on in the world. Ugh, fuck. I guess my stupid ass opinion is all that stuff. You know? Well, this is really nice. Like, down here, I've never had a fucking CD stolen and shit, so I've just been slowly kind of dragging. And I don't have one in my fucking place anymore. So, I thought it was cool to, like, I just slowly sort of bring my collection down here and uh, get to play them on the radio. So, um, as we do, let's do it. Wired. Map
song i love that fucking record man fuck me that's off of the uh 154 record man fuck i got that box hit years ago i was working over at flipside it was the coolest we used to th- we used to throw fucking 45s and shit around that place like we had 45s for 45 cents and like we had so fucking many of them like damn like all of our cd racks basically not all of them but let's say the middle section which was like one two three three fucking racks double-sided of those things and underneath all of them are just stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of 45s so whenever it gets slow one of the things i used to like to do was just go through because you know no one's going through all those things so i would and like the basement was full of records too and scarier and shit because this basement in michigan and it had like no fucking lights down there and it was long and creepy and shit but like i take a flashlight down there and find all kinds of weird old shit from the 60s and stuff but um upstairs <laughs> uh like i said down there would be all these 45s and like there would be like a hundred of some just god awful dumb ass 45 and me and Tim, one day, we were like, I was like, I want to just throw this motherfucker. He was like, all right, man, throw it. We had, like, the back wall was, like, was a horrifying idea because the back wall, like, facing the counter is weird. It's It was, like, a long space, but, like, um, like chubby but long, you know? <laughs> That's the way you're putting it. It's chubby but long. So, like, you know, uh, it's weirdly, it's the way I face in the studio. Like, if I, f- the wall in front of me, if that was, like, just a bunch of, like, glass uh, cases where, like, you know, all the cassette tapes were, basically. And, um, you know, like, different higher price items and shit would be sitting over there. And then, like, you know, on both sides are really kind of cool. They were long. And um, it would be, like... uh just open and you know till you you know hit the fucking other side of the wall so i don't know how far 80 yards something like it fucking far so like if you stood on one end and looked at the other end it's probably nah, maybe 50 yards or something but it's far so like i just like oh fuck it that's so why i stood like in one end <laughs> and i just fired the thing like i waited obviously till there was nobody in the store and then i just fired <laughs> i fired this thing off like a frisbee 
just across the store and this thing flew with such fucking force and veracity it was fucking scary it was like holy shit and then when it landed it like it didn't land like a frisbee it's like it took a hard left and like smashed into the like the like corner of one of those cd cases and just exploded like like a bomb went off and i was like this is the coolest thing i i, I want to do this forever I, this is all I want to do now. <laughs> so, right, I found a lot of cool 45s in there and stuff. But, um, but so, like, so, one of our habits, like, we ended up, like, so one of our habits is like, Tim, you got to do this. And he was like, really? Oh, yeah, dude. He threw one. He was like, holy shit. So, like, that was, like, one of our things we would do on, like, fucking Thursday nights. And, like, you know, we'd have to fucking sit there and click. Because we always had to vacuum at the end of the night anyway. And you just hear. And <laughs> the parts that we didn't fucking find when we were picking up our shards of shit. <laughs> oh, man. And holy shit. Then we moved up. Like, we had to fucking big it up. Well, if we can throw 45s. What do the 12 inches do when you throw them, right? <laughs> what does a full-size piece of vinyl look like when you throw it? Because, like, and he was like, I'm not doing that. I was like, well, I am. So I went back, and I got this fucking record, and I did the same goddamn Frisbee thing, and it went up, and then <laughs> that thing took a really, like, a severe left, and like almost slammed into the fucking those glass windows on the on the far left side like it was like across the store like i don't know yeah so if it's 80 yards or 50 yards one way let's say it's like i don't know uh, 10 yards like two you think the other way so it went like fucking eight yards over and like hit the counter in front of the glass and just did the same explosion and that thing looked like if if you were standing there it it, it wouldn't have cut your head off but it looked like it should have cut your head off <laughs> it was the most dangerous shit the one thing i do not ever recommend just throwing fucking well i do recommend throwing vinyl but i <laughs> but it is like like they were doing that shit at the uh the death to disco um uh uh fuck baseball game at the White Sox game they did they did that shit like the people in the stands were throwing records when i heard that i almost shit myself cuz i fucking seen the violence of that action that is so scary to be i couldn't imagine being in a fucking stadium with with the, the, I mean, these things could fucking kill you, man. <laughs> oh my god! Like holy shit! And we would do that shit, man. Holy cow! I was just thinking, holy shit, that was so much fun, but like so fucked up. Like oh my god! And you know, just big chunks, like like pizza slices, are out of the records and shit. <laughs> I didn't give a fuck. They were all, like, you know, I grab some old horse shit and just throw it. <laughs> oh man, like I wanted. I want to say we threw like a heavier one, with like one of those hundred eighty grammers that was like defective. I think we might have did that once or something, but I think we did that shit like outside, <laughs> like in the parking lot type shit. 
But yeah, I remember I, I almost was like, I almost hit that glass. We both almost hit that glass a bunch, even with 45s. 45s, man, those are cool to throw, but those are fucking scary too, man, because they're harder. You know, at least the big ones are like, but they that's why they make those violently scary. Like, cause sometimes you throw that fucking thing and then it would just go right and like into the records and shit. <laughs> or it would like just slam and slid itself right into the records. Like, where the fuck did the thing go? Just to go digging in, into records that are fucking sitting there and stuff. <laughs> oh, man. That shit was so much fun. God, I don't think I've ever had more fun at, at a job like <laughs> than throwing those stupid records. But uh, God, I was thinking um, the other uh, last night about I have some dumbass fucking pet peeves. I don't have a lot of them, but they're really stupid and kind of annoying. Like they're annoying to me that these are my pet peeves. But like, like one of them is I I hate seeing people spit on the sidewalk. I, I don't get why people do that, but I think I've already talked about that here. And the other one is an old one that nobody does anymore, but, like, it's just an old thing that, like, <laughs> I was thinking about my dad, and um, he used to have this just oh, this horrifying habit of, like, jingling his keys in his pocket, just making this. And this is to this day why I don't wear, like, wear, like, a fucking belt of keys the only last time i ever had like a like a belt with like keys like or like you know like a keychain with keys on it was uh when i was working as a fucking head of janitorial and had just a shit ton of you know had all keys all the offices and i would only i'd leave those at the offices and just grab them when i you know i'd take the key that i needed to get into my office and the garage with me and then i'd leave my main keys like in my office so like i'd always have like two or three keys on me, you know, like my place. And then that one. And I, I think I even left like my mailbox key, like in my place, like fuck this. <laughs> like I'm really big into streamlining, like on me personally, but I, I'll leave my goddamn apartment. I'm like just a half a mess, but that's just laziness. And which is, anyway, I've been like that my whole life too. It doesn't make any sense. Like what it's weird. Like how I'll do that too, because like, it's not always like that all the time. It's like just in my room. Like if like out in living areas and shit, I'm fine. In my room, it's like leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> this is like my one space. It's just leave me alone. But anyway, my dad, he um he had this speaking of keys, like I said, he had this habit of just jingling because he's done dead since shit. I think he died a little after nine eleven. But like um he would have in his pockets just keys from like work and all kinds of shit, you know. And he would just sit there and just jingle his keys in his pocket, jingle, 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 And I could hear those things, and it would drive me crazy. But you can't tell somebody like, first off, I'm his kid, so what am I tell you? Hey, motherfucker, quit it with the keys, right? I mean, fuck off, fuck off. These keys pay for your existence, you shit. Right? But no. He, um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, bah, 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 bah. It, it, it was like, it, it reminded me, it's like, it's annoying as like those Salvation Army bell ringers and shit. Like, you know. <laughs> but, um, 
But the, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Like, he would jingle them so much, and, like, the sound was so recognizable to me. Like, we'd be, like, split off in Montgomery wards and shit, right? He'd go looking for, I don't know, suits or whatever the fuck you buy in Monty wards. Or, like, a fucking circular saw or whatever the fuck. Refrigerator. I don't know. Buy whatever the fuck you're going to buy in Montgomery wards. And, like, I would, like, be over there looking at games or whatever horse shit. You know, look at all the new Nintendo games. You know, some horse shit like that. And... Um. Uh, what am I trying to say? Oh, and it would just always be so fine to me to just like, cause I could, I I would like zero in on him, like without I never have to look for my father. I could just like at a mall, at the, like any public place, the fucking uh, putt putt, you know, mini golf. I could find him anywhere. It motherfucker was like, it was like a locator device. It was like a ping. It was like, I can hear it in my ears right now. Just that fucking jinga, 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 then I just be quiet. Okay, there he is. And just started moving towards the sound. <laughs> hey, Dad. Hey, Pa. That's what I was calling Pa. Hey, Pa. Mom and Pa. That old guy. He's a nice old guy. Well, he was. Hey, kids. Don't get hip surgery if you're allergic to anything. <laughs> you might come out a veggie. Hey, veggie. But, uh, yeah, anyway, nice old git. <clears throat> what else was I thinking about today? I was thinking about playing some fucking Dimension X since it's been an hour. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's see what we got here. How about we do? That would be weird. I think I, yeah, I either had a dream about it or I saw it somewhere, so it must have been a dream because I don't have a fucking TV. About getting shanghaied. Might have been a story that I heard about somebody getting shanghaied. It's always a weird, not a weird fucking term. Get shanghaied. But we used to do that a lot here, I guess. Like, what do they call that? Um... Not Pirate Bay. Where the fuck is that? Anyway. No. Oh, come on. Barnaby Coast. Yeah. Like, people get fucking drunk down there and they wake up on ships and shit. <laughs> what the fuck? Horrifying. What? Horrifying. All right. This one's a shorty. Let's try, uh... Let's try this guy. Adventures in time and space. Transcribed in future tense. On stage tonight, Dimension X. Mars Highway runs that way now. From the Calmac Canal on the equator, 
to the highlands with a water station every 20 miles and a radar pickup and towing service running 24 hours a day. But there wasn't any highway 30 years ago in 97. There was desert. Hot, burning desert. Sand shifting and blowing, piling up around the empty shells of the ruined cities, ancient when man on earth was living in caves. I lived at the edge of the Kalmak Canal then with my father. He was a prospector, searching the surrounding desert with sonar probe and Geiger counter, scratching just enough ore from under the Martian sands to pay for our grub stake the next year. I remember he was in the Adamson Digger in the North Quadrant when I came running out that day. coming, Dad, across the desert. You sure? I saw them. They're a couple of miles out. How many cars? They're on foot. On foot across the desert? Honest, Dad, I saw them. You sure it wasn't a light reflection off the canal? No, it was dark against the sand. Uh, I don't like that. You run back and get the rifles out. I've got to pull the digger into the shed. Is there going to be fighting, Dad? I don't know. Got a whole year's oil piled out back in the bins. They're going to lose it to no claim jumpers. You get back to the shack and break out those rifles. See that they're loaded, you hear? And jump. Dad had three surplus army rifles and a couple of homemade grenades made out of ore cans stuffed with Adamson A explosives. We crouched inside the shack waiting. The shadow of the water tower in the doorway grew longer as the quick Martian dusk settled down over the desert. There they come, Al. There's two of them. There's something funny about that second one. Look, he's all spindly, and his head's funny. Yeah, his head's funny, all right. Now, that's a Martian. I never saw one off the reservation before. There hasn't been one, not in ten years. Here they come. Into the door, you... Now you remember what I told you. Line up the sights and just squeeze the trigger. Hello! Hello there! Now, Dad? Hello! Wait a minute. What do you want? Water! What are you going to do, Dad? Where do you come from? Full swim. Are you lying? That's a hundred miles across the desert. I know. That's where they came from. My tank is empty. I need water. Well, drop your gear and come up here slow. Tell that Martian to stay where he is. All right, now. Who are you? My name is John. John, eh? What are you doing with that spider? His name is Kantalka. I don't care what his name is. What's a human doing with a Martian? I found him in the dry bed of Kalmak Canal, nearly dead of thirst. Probably ran off from the reservation. When our brothers are caged, they seek freedom. Brothers? Those spiders? All living creatures are our brothers. On Mars as on Earth. Oh, wait a minute. 
Bert Ostrom at False Wells told me there's a screwball hedge preacher over there hollering about letting the spiders loose off the reservations. Let no man call his life his own. No man or tribe nor nation. <laughs> I guess that's you, all right. Yeah, Bert told me they called you Crazy John. Oh, well, I don't suppose there's any harm in you. Go on, fill up your tank at the air still. You can even have supper with us. We would be happy to. We? What do you mean, we? Contel Carr and myself. That spider? Oh, no. I ain't having a Martian sitting down to eat with me. Well, you come on, no. Thank you, sir, no. Where my brother is not welcome. I cannot go. filled his tank at the airstill tower, and the Martian went through the ash pile for half-burned fuel brick. When we went in the house for supper, I could see them silhouetted against the fire. The old man with his wild hair and beard, and the thin, spidery arms and legs of the Martian. Dad. What now? Were the Martians always on the reservation? Since the outpost three massacre, they have been... What was that? Back before you were born, they lived wild in the mountains up north. Were they fierce? Fierce enough. There's only one place for them spiders. Behind wire. Yeah, it sure is. Out in the dooryard, the campfire flickered at the base of the water tower. The first of the Martian moons had set. The other wouldn't rise for several hours. I could hear the sandpeepers out in the desert as I stood there. The old man and the Martian were sitting on the ground, huddled close to the fire. It gets cold fast on the desert when the sun goes down. Did you, boy? You can come up to the fire if you'd like. My dad wouldn't like it. All right. But I'm not afraid of no spider. No, there's nothing to be afraid of. How come his arms are all skinny? Ask him. Does he talk? Yes, his name is Kantalkar. It is, huh? Hello. Hello, boy. He talks funny. It is not my language. Why isn't he on the reservation? You can get in trouble helping spiders to escape. He is my brother. He was caged. When my brothers were in bondage, I came to them and said, Lo, the time has come for deliverance. You talk funny, too. Is it true that you want to let all the spiders off the reservation? No man has the right to imprison the innocent. Do they really call you crazy, John? I have been called many things. You really think we ought to let all those old spiders off the reservation? Boy, we die. That's because Martians are just weak. I bet I could knock you down myself. You could. We are a different people. We have not the strength of muscle of Earth men. But we will not stay here to die. You won't get off the reservation. The patrol takes care of that, all right. They won't let any stinking old spiders out. Even in the minds of children, is planted the poison of evil. How long? How long? 
walking up and down now, shouting, singing hymns, verse after verse, his white beard catching the light as he passed behind the fire. The Martian sat slumped over, his thin, spindly arms folded across the huge barrel chest that had developed over the centuries as the air of Mars thinned and escaped into space. In the morning, I looked out and... back now, we wonder how they did it. The high voltage wire around the reservation carried a fatal charge. The patrolman in the tower had 50 caliber machine guns. The desert around the camp was mined heavily. And yet, at dawn, August 7th, 1997, they broke out. I was down at the dried up canal bed hunting sandpapers when my father came running after me. Come on, back to the house. What's the matter, Dad? Now shut up and run. What is it? Spiders busted loose. Bert Alstrom radioed in. Did they come in here? They're headed this way, murdering devils. Did they kill anybody? Six patrolmen when they busted through the wire. I get inside. What are you going to do, Dad? Wire a keg of Adamson A across the gate. You get in there and get the guns out. Got the rifles and shoved a full clip in each one. Then I slipped a primer fuse in the homemade grenades and lugged them out on the porch. Dad was running lead wires back to the detonator from a half keg of Adamson A he'd set across the gate. Ah, that's set. Give me one of those rifles. Will they be here soon? You can see the dust over the rise. There they are, Dad. There they come. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold up. I want to get a good shot. Let them get closer. Dad, that's Crazy John up in front. There. He's taller than the spiders. You can see his beard. Yeah, you're right. The renegade rat. Probably helped him break out of the reservation. Now, if anything happens to me, you light out back to the shed. You can hide out in the empty orbits till they go away. You got that? All right, Dad. The spider's shouting something, Dad. That's probably a trick. Get down, little lad. You're in the way. Yeah, I got him clear now. Right in the head. No, up a little now. I got him. I got him. Dad, look out. They've got guns. Down. Get down. Dad. Get out, Al. Get out of the shed. But, Dad, you're hit. Go on. Those spiders are going to rush. Get going. I can't leave you. Shut up. Get out of here. You're here.
the shouts had died away. I sat there waiting. And then suddenly a shadow fell across the edge of light. And the hatch slid open on top of me. You leave me alone. I'll kill you. Boy, I've been looking for you. Where's my dad? What did you do to my dad? He's dead. You killed him. You and those spiders. You killed my father. Come out of there, boy. You let go of me, you murderer. Come on out. I'll kill you. I'll kill all those stinking murdering spiders. They are our brothers, boy. Your father shot without warning and the fire was returned against my orders. You did not have to shoot. Our brothers came in peace. They're going home to their mountains. We came to get water for the journey. You mean you just wanted water? You... You... Dad! Dad! Justice! We'll give him justice! I shall lead 
brittle fragments. But the march went on. We wound across the desert in wild zigzags, following the paths the old man had traveled through the years. Only once a patrol plane hovered on the horizon and then shot away. The days went on. The weeks. And the Martians died. They died of exhaustion. They died of the disease we had given them. And they died of thirst. The Adamson still could produce 27 units of water an hour, no more. And on that, they died of thirst. Yeah, boy. Here's your water. That's more than the others got. You're giving me your water. It will be provided to me. He that brings justice to his brothers will drink deep of the water of righteousness. He that leads his brothers to their promised rest will savor the cool drafts of the mercy of heaven. Canal to Fever Dip, past the towering mesas of the Higgins Badlands, across the dry sea bottoms, they marched. On the 54th day of the march, we halted at evening. The air was thinner and colder now. The rations had long since been exhausted. And around the campfires, they cooked the hard, bitter kernels of the dogbush nut on spiny stalks like earth cactus. I lay down to sleep wrapped in the old man's coat. Early in the morning before sunrise, I woke suddenly. The ground mist that had covered the desert the night before was lifting slowly, and I saw the old man standing by the burned-out fire, the vapor swirling around his legs, and the cold light of the false dawn edging his wild beard. Go back to sleep, boy. I can't. The end is near. I've led them through the wilderness dry shod across the seas. And before us lie the mountains. It's over. We're there. I have led them to home. And I must go back to the desert. You mean alone? No, even now. I hear a voice in the wind. Carry the message to the men of Earth. Bring to this new world the message of the old. All beings created in the universe are my brothers. And he that harms my brother harms me. Till the march was done. Till the 
until the mountains were in sight. For now the mist rose, and before us towered the highlands, the tall green mountains, and the cool sky. The march was over. Of the 7,000 Martians who started, 900 were alive. They gathered now on the rise of ground and faced the hills. Their thin bodies wavered as they stood. And some dropped to the ground as they stood there. But there was a light of hope in their large, staring eyes. Most of them had died. But they had died on the way home. And now the march was over. planes were spotted on the horizon, and within ten minutes, they had landed. The Martians stood silently as the squads piled out and set up the 50 caliber machine guns and petroleum gel flamethrower. All right, you spiders, hands up and stay together. Gather in a bunch and don't try anything. Sergeant. Yes, sir. Shoot the first spider that moves and shoot to kill. All right, come on. All right. Martians had placed him. The 
wind from the south gave the wild hair and beard a rippling life. He faced the hills, the home, and the rest he had promised his brothers as he led them through the wilderness of Mars. next week for another adventure into the unknown world of Dimension Ooh. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Alright. I had to play something like that. I would have felt weird if I didn't. Let's see here. Um... Alright, how about this song? Play something a little different. You know, it's one really cool thing about um, one cool thing. There's plenty of cool things. But one cool thing I really like about this big. There's like a really big window that I broadcast next to, and um, it's Sunday morning, so all these people are out doing their like getting their laundries and shit together. And it's just, I like seeing people just sort of uh, I like people watching. Sort of weirdly enough, as I get older, <laughs> I don't give a fuck about it before. There people are everywhere. You'll always see people. You don't have to go anywhere in particular. But I like um, right here, just, I don't know, people are sort of casual and kind of getting their shit together and it's their morning and shit. It's kind of fun. Anyway, whatever. Um, this is a song I think it is. We'll be good if not. Oh, well. Yep. Yeah. Oh, blind spots in the leopard's eyes can only help.
Alrighty. Well, well, well. Let's look here. I was uh, standing on the counter thinking about my buttermilk. <laughs> Let's do that all the time. Whenever there'd be like just some, <laughs> some just dumb like um, I don't know, sound of silence like that <laughs> I swear my brain is just dead now but okay let's see this shit is so out of order now fuck it let's do uh heading for Hong Kong I still I really want to get to the speed Gibson secret police ISP so let's Okay. Yeah, let's let's fuck it. We'll kind of restart it. We already know that the octopus gang is active. <clears throat> That's one of the earliest. Well, all right. Fuck it. Who cares? I want to hear that Speed is inducted in the Secret Service again, and we're gonna get it right this time. And next week, I'm gonna do the fucking third one, and then the fourth one. It's cool. There's only like a hundred and like fifty episodes, but they're only twelve minutes each. So here we go. You know what's funny? If I was really smart, I could have probably plow through fucking five of these or whatever today instead of blabbering my blab blabs but here you go let's see how this goes Steve Gibson of the International Secret Police In the first episode, you remember, Clint Barlow, brilliant young operator of the International Secret Police, was called to his chief's headquarters for details of a new case concerning the activities of the octopus, the most dangerous criminal alive. With Clint was Barney Dunlap, his right-hand man. During their absence, a member of the octopus gang came to Clint's rooms, and in spite of the presence of Speed Gibson, Clint's 15-year-old nephew, sought to go through the operator's papers. Speed knocked the man unconscious with the model of the China Clipper that he was constructing, and now we find Speed, Clint, and Barney in the chief's office with their sullen prisoner, Blackie Spears. Why did you go to Barlow's room, Blackie? I ain't talking. He did plenty of talking to me, Chief Riley. He knew that Clint and Barney were on their way here. Said our telephone wires had been tapped, and he heard you talking to Clint. And he arrived shortly after Clint and Barney left, huh? Yes, sir. Well, that means he must have been in the same building. Maybe he took a room there, too. But why? Why was my phone line tapped? Now, how did he know anything was in the wind? The octopus has ways of knowing things, Clint. Almost before anyone else knows about them. Blackie, it'll be a little easier on you if you'll tell us what you know. You're in a secret police. Supposing you find all that out for yourself. Let me smack him one, Chief. No, Barney. Keep your fist to yourself. We'll keep Blackie Spears with us for a while. Maybe he won't talk to us, but neither will he be able to talk to his gang or be able to get word to the octopus as to what's happened. You can't keep me here. No, can't we? You force an entrance into my rooms, admit to my nephew that you tap my phone wires, then you go through my private papers. We can keep you here all right. Yeah? Well, if it hadn't been for that kid slugging me with his aeroplane, you guys never would have touched me. I'll get you for that, Speed Gibson. You just try anything and I'll sock you again. That's the Speed aren't going to help you any, Blackie. Take him out, Barney. Tell Kelly to put him in solitary. Yes, sir. Come on, tough guy. You can't do this to me, I tell you. The gang will rub you out. Ah, save your breath. We don't scare you. 
<laughs> well, I guess that takes care of Blackie Spears, all right. Yeah, thanks to you, Speed. If you hadn't used your wits, he'd have gotten away or perhaps shot it out with Clint and Barney when they returned before he expected them. <laughs> That's right, Chief Riley. And all because Barney forgot his hat. Well, he made me sore going through Clint's papers like that. And the secret police books I've been studying say that you should never give a criminal an even break. <laughs> Something to that effect, Speed. The idea is that the criminal never gives the detective a chance, so it's better to capture him first, disarm him, and then start talking. I sure smashed my china clipper on his head. <laughs> Didn't do his head any good, either. Has a lump on it about the size of an egg. Speed, how would you like to fly in the real china clipper? The real clipper? Oh, gee, Chief. Honest? Now, wait, now hold on there, Speed. Now, what do you mean, Chief? Well, you remember I said something over the phone about using speed on this job, Clint? Mm -hmm. And I said no. Oh, Clint. Supposing you hear the whole story before making a decision, Clint. Our Far East operator sent word by code that the octopus has reared his ugly head in China. Hong Kong, to be exact. Mm, what's his racket this time? Smuggling. Dope and natives. Running dope in and natives out. Doing it on a wholesale scale. His enormous and very effective organization makes his illegal business a lot safer than most legal businesses. And far more profitable. And the best way to combat the evil is at the source. China. Mm -hmm. You want Barney and me to break it wide open, huh? Yes. You're to take the next clipper ship. It leaves day after tomorrow. I've already reserved passage for you. You proceed to Hong Kong at once. Good. Doesn't give us much time, but I've done more unless. Lucky, though, you reserved the passages. Yes, for you, Barney, and Speed. Oh, boy! Oh, now, listen, Chief. Now, Speed doesn't fit into this picture. I wouldn't think of taking him into that hotbed of danger. He's already in it, Clint. I said before that the octopus has ways of knowing things. Perhaps he already knows of Speed's part in Blackie's capture. Once you leave for China, no matter where, you may send your nephew. His life will be in actual danger. Well, that's true. On but... the other hand, the octopus will never dream that he's traveling with you. In fact, he can have no knowledge that you're crossing on the China Clipper. And this is where your uncanny knowledge of makeup may bring you close to the octopus. Oh, you mean I should uh, use a disguise? Huh? Well, you've never been yourself on any job you've undertaken. That's been one of your secrets of success. No criminal knows how the real Clint Barlow looks except Blackie Spears. And his knowledge won't do him any good for a long time. That's right, Clint. You know more about makeup than any actor. Well, you can change your whole appearance by just adding a little to your nose, or changing your eyebrows, or taping your eyes. Yes, the stage lost an excellent actor. And the secret police gained its best operator. But I not only want you to travel under an assumed face and personality, Clint, but Barney and Speed as well. No one is to know who you are. Your safety lies in your lost identity. Well, it's an old story to me, Chief, but as for Speed here, Please I Please let don't me know. go, Clint. I can help out in all sorts of ways. I'm counting on you, Speed. Your quick thinking in Blackie's case convinced me that you can help us in the capture of the octopus. You'll never be in the front line, so to speak. That'll keep him out of actual danger, Clint. But you as a boy will be able to see and learn things that an adult cannot. You bet I will. Oh, gee, Clint. Can I go? Can I? Well, after what Chief Riley has said about the danger of leaving you here, and if I can use makeup on you, uh... All right. Yes, you can go. I, I can't see anything else now. Wee! Oh, boy, what adventure this is going to be. Not an adventure, Speed. But hard, dangerous work. The odds are tremendously against capturing the octopus. But you can't fail. And now, I have here full details as to the course I've laid out for you, Clint. Oh, but first I must swear Speed into the International Secret Police. Are you ready to take the oath, Speed? I... I'm ready, sir. Then listen carefully. And see if you're still willing to join our force after hearing the oath. Yes, sir. 
Raise your right hand. Do you, Speed Gibson, as a member of the International Secret Police, promise to obey and protect law and order in your own country or wherever else your duties may carry you? Will you cooperate with the foreign police after you have fulfilled your mission? And will you, above all else, recognize the code of the secret police? Courage, honor, and silence. And not betray it in any manner whatsoever? I promise, sir. <sighs> You've bitten off a large hope there, fellow. And I welcome our newest and youngest member. Thank you, Chief. <laughs> What's going on here? Barney, I'm a member of the International Secret Police now. And I'm going with you to capture the octopus. Yeah, huh? That's right, Barney. After we get our orders from the Chief, we're off. Off where? Alameda. After I change our appearance with makeup. Alameda? You mean... We're taking the China Clipper day after tomorrow. <laughs> Clippers feed. Isn't it a beauty? Look at that wing spread. Yeah, I hope them wings are spread enough to take us where we're going. <laughs> oh, doggone this mustache. <laughs> What's the matter, Barney? Oh, this phony misplaced eyebrow you stuck on my upper lip tickles. <laughs> it sure looks like it grew there, though, Barney. And that squint that Clint gave you, I never know you in a million years. Yeah, well, I wouldn't know you either. What with them specs you're wearing and the way Clint made your nose thinner by shading it with grease paint. You look real studious. Not like the guy that knocked Blackie over the head with a clipper model. <laughs> and Clint looks kind of foreign, don't he? With his hair dyed black and curled. He darkened his skin, too, and wearing kind of foreign clothes. Like a Frenchman. Well, now, don't forget that I'm supposed to be your French tutor, Speed. Now, wait. Have you got the whole story straight? I think so. Barney here's supposed to be my dad. We're from Texas. Yeah? He's kind of rich from his oil wells and wants me to grow up a gentleman. And you're supposed to help make me one. Teaching me French and manners. Now, the whole thing's crazy, if you ask me. Yeah, but nobody's asking you. You just stick to that story. Uh, what's your name? My... Now, I know you're crazy. Oh, not your real one, your assumed name. Oh, um, Fletcher, Jim Fletcher. And Speed here is Earl. <laughs> Earl Wells, get it? <laughs> yes, and I'm Pierre Dorset. Now, I'm going to speak with a very slight French accent. And uh, you'd better use a drawl, Barney. What should I use? Oh, you talk to all with you, Speed. It'll be safer because you're not as old in the game as we are. You might forget to keep up an accent. Well, anyhow, you're getting an education from your French tutor and by traveling around the world. Hot ziggity! No oh, now don't say things like that. In fact, the less you say in public, the better. Kind of carries out the student idea. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to be thinking instead of talking. Say, the one and up the clipper motors. Yeah, won't be long now. Then I'm warming them up. Yeah, I'm so excited, I don't know what to do. Just think, I'm really going to fly in the China Clipper. Wait a minute, what's wrong? That man in that blue shirt suit standing right over there. Remember him, Barney? Say, wasn't he in on that jewel smuggling racket three years ago? Right. One of the cleverest smugglers in the business. But we caught him and I thought he was safe behind the bars for a good long time. He must have been paroled. Yeah, but why is he going on the China Clipper at this time? Say, I wonder if he's going in with the octopus on his smuggling. Hmm, we don't even have to wait to get to China before we start meeting up with that gang. Yeah, maybe I'm all wrong. Maybe his going is pure coincidence. 
And then again, maybe not. You think he'll recognize you and Barney, Clint? No, see. Our disguises are entirely different. On the board for the China Clipper. Stops at Honolulu, Midway Island, Wake Island, Guam, Manila, and the Orient. Gee, now we can go aboard. Oh, wait, wait a minute, Steve. Let our friend in the Blue Surge get aboard first. What happens when we get to Manila? We'll wait and see what happens aboard the Clipper first, Barney. Can we go now, Clint? The flight crew has gone aboard. Yes, but remember, from now on, when there's anyone else within hearing distance, you're Earl Fletcher, Barney is Jim Fletcher, and I'm Pierre Dorsey. You got it? Yes, Monsieur Dorsey. Monsieur Dorsey. Now watch yourself. Here come some other passengers and... Wait a minute. What do you see? That man in the blue serge suit. He's talking to that little guy in the checkered suit. Yeah. And they're looking straight at us. Clint, that guy has spotted us. He's recognized us. They're going to keep us from getting aboard. He's calling that policeman. Come on. We've got to make it. Gibson, just a kid. <laughs> that induction was fucking awesome. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You want to be all the laws and, you know, like back up any fucking law police after they show up? Yeah, it's like, be honest, truthful, and think, don't fuck up. <laughs> the part that I like, he's like, boy, you signed on to a hell of a list right there, guy. <laughs> My man was like, I'm ready for the task, boss. <laughs> Amazing. I love shit like that. <laughs> it's so darn goofy. But anyway, it's just so funny. All right. I'm getting ready to get out of here. Next people should be here in the next few minutes. And uh, get out of here. It's always a pleasure to sit and chit-chat at you. Hope you enjoy the show on mutinyradio.fm. Um, please go to their website, donate to the station if you could. We always use a couple of shekels. I don't get anything out of it. I do this because it's fun. And I like doing it. I like bringing Speed Gibson to the people. <laughs> All right. Let's get out of here with some, uh, one of my favorite songs he ever wrote. Happy Sunday, or any day.
We never talk to people And we they see them every Fancy, Bobby Wire, and the full life. 